Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. Let's pray and we'll uh, turn to Galatians chapter 1. Our Father, thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you that we can gather in your house and receive uh, good gifts from you, to be reminded of your glory, to be reminded of the work of Jesus that is uh, completely sufficient for our salvation, and we ask that you would uh, bless all of our thoughts and meditations this morning. May we honor and glorify you in all that we say, do, and think. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so back in the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the churches, plural, of Galatia, right? So that region in southwestern modern Turkey uh, is where these churches are. And so we... Um, Last time, let me do a little bit of review here. Last time we talked about basically two or three, four, and five of the book, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. So we went through that. And uh, talked about how the work of Jesus Christ was laid out for him uh, by his Father. And uh, already Paul is getting to work on the heresy that's running through the church in Galatia, the churches of that region. He and that will be pounded all throughout this book. And in mentioning the will of our God and Father at the beginning, he's, he's making a contrast between the will of God and the will of man, right? And the heresy that's running through the church, we'll talk about that today, is um, works righteousness. That our justification is somehow, on some level, uh, based upon our works and what we do and some some law however minor or however major that we do ourselves and uh, so even even at the beginning he's beginning to work on this problem now um, here's a question to get us thinking a little bit Um, do we struggle with works righteousness today uh, and by we, I mean us, not everybody outside of our church. Do we struggle with works righteousness? Yes. How so? How does that manifest itself? How, how, how have you had to repent of pursuing works righteousness? <laughs> Let's try to get specific. I think it's helpful as we approach this book. Towards my salvation, I'm working 
So even a thing like reading the, the Word of God can become a work by which we're trying to please God or work up our righteousness rather than um, something that we do in response to the grace of God. Sarah? It's a curse for the Dutch, right? The Dutch like to work. <laughs> and they, they tie their value to what they accomplish in the day. And as far as our salvation is concerned, right, that doesn't do much to contribute to our salvation. Yeah, I saw, yep, I'll come to you. What's that? Rituals. What kind of rituals? Superfluous? What does that mean? Okay. Abstaining from foods, you know. Right. Okay. All right, so we can tend to... to um, Certainly, we like to judge other people based upon what little laws we like to keep, right? And so where we're doing well, we'll condemn the whole world because we have a boast there. And I think we, we all struggle with that temptation, you know, where we're going, where we're doing well, we make a universal law of that and then apply that to everybody else and judge their righteousness based upon the ones that we've sort of got a handle on. Yeah, that's terrible. Okay, when it comes to the water heater, you should probably get up and f try and fix it. I did. I did. I <laughs> Good. You can pray, too, that, that your labors are effective. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what about assurance? Anybody struggle and uh, are, are you up and down in your assurance of salvation? That often ebbs and flows and because we ground our assurance in something other than the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? We ground our assurance in how well we're running the race, or how poorly we're running the race, right? And so our assurance will be up and down according to whether or not we um, controlled our thoughts that day. And uh, on and on the list would go. But notice, in, and so I think um, when it comes to assurance, if your assurance is, is uh, weak, Often you have to simply be reminded that Jesus has finished the work for you. He has, done, he has done the heavy lifting. He has done everything that's necessary for your salvation. And yet, there's a tendency that we say, okay, yeah, I know that, but this, you know, why, why am I not, you know, I didn't do my personal devotions yesterday. I must not be a Christian. Right, and I'm. You should do your personal devotions. I'm not telling you that uh, you shouldn't. You really should. You need to be in the Word, reminding yourself of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Right, 
And maybe that's why um, you're there. But notice the, the Westminster Confession of Faith in 28, when it talks about assurance, says something that I want to draw your attention to. This infallible assurance, they say, does not so belong to the essence of faith, but that a true believer may wait long and conflict with many difficulties before he be partaker of it. In other words, assurance does ebb and flow, and sometimes it takes a long time to get to that, that uh, to get to um, full assurance. And then they say, yet, being enabled by the Spirit to know the things which are freely given him by God. He may, without extraordinary revelation and the right use of ordinary means, attain thereunto. What does it say? How can you attain assurance? By knowing the things which are freely given you by God. Right? Knowing the things that God has done on your behalf and they're freely given to you. That's the ground of your assurance. And what has he freely given you? The blood of his son. Right? Christ crucified. A propitiation, a substitute, a substitution, right? And so put your mind on that and believe that that uh, work was done for you. And, and your assurance should be grounded in those things. And so, uh, you have to come to know the things which are freely given you of God. Not come to know those things that you have worked up so that God might be impressed by them. Freely give, free gifts given to you. Jesus Christ himself. So let's keep going now. I'll read from verse 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a slave, a bondservant of Christ. All right, so you see he's getting into the thick of it right off the bat. Greetings. What's going on? <laughs> I am amazed, he says, that you are so quickly deserting what we preach to you. And so this, this heresy has come into that church 
These people were rejoicing in the gospel that the Apostle Paul had brought to that region. They were excited, right? They had, they had assimilated this, and then boom, these Judaizers come in, and they're deserting what the apostles preached to them. And he's launching into the problem. This is no joke. They're deserting Christ, it says. And so what you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ is very important, right? There are heresies that will lead you to depart from Christ. This heresy in the Galatian church was causing them to depart from Christ, to be severed from Christ, he says later, right? And so um, they are in great danger. They... um, But notice what he says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ. Right? Who called you by the grace of Christ. In other words, you're deserting the grace of Jesus Christ. You're deserting that message that we brought to you that salvation is by faith alone apart from works. You're deserting that. That's That's what you're going back on. And... This is no joke because this is a different gospel. This is not like, you know, a non-essential doctrine that we can disagree on. This is a fundamental tenet of the faith. The atonement of Christ, the salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, right? Justification by faith alone. This is a a core doctrine of the gospel. And he's like, this is a different gospel. So what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about his work, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about your own works, will save or condemn you. So you have to get it right. You have to get this right. You have to get the gospel right, right? Just the fact that you're in the church, that you're around good doctrine, that you're surrounded by Christians, that you come from a Christian family, is not enough to save you. You actually have to believe the right things about Jesus Christ that are set down in this good deposit, right? Handed on to us by the apostles, The Galatians quickly depart from from that gospel. And so doctrine, doctrine has eternal importance, right? Doctrine has eternal importance. Paul is astonished at the desertion and the quickness of the apostasy here. It's happened very quickly. How quickly? I don't know. Um, Within months, maybe, within years, uh, within weeks, uh, they're like, the Judaizers come in and they're like, hmm, that's interesting. We kind of like that. You know, that's going to help out between Jew and Gentile relations. This is going to work out well. Let's, Let's go this way. In 4, 9 through 10, the Apostle Paul writes, but Now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. 
So what are they going back to? Days and months and seasons and years? What's that? The old shadows. The shadows of the law, right? The old days and the festivals, and they're going back to, um, you know, one of the things that we're going to learn about the Judaizers is they, they want them to become Jews. They want the Gentiles to become Jews and then become Christians, right? Here's the path. Um, Paul hated Moses. Don't listen to Paul, right? And so let's bring Moses back in. And then he, uh, Paul writes in, in Galatians 5, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Those are intense words, right? You have fallen from grace. He is warning them. He is pleading with them. He is like, this is a different gospel. This is so serious. What in the world? You cannot go this direction. And so um, they are turning back to weak and worthless elemental things. They are observing days and months and seasons and years. They are being circumcised. They are seeking to be justified by what? By the keeping of the law, right? By the keeping of the law. They are seeking to be justified by works and not by faith, and that is another gospel. Not just a slight tweaking of the one gospel, not just like an addendum to the gospel. It's a different gospel. A different gospel. So if you think that salvation comes to you on the basis of works, you don't believe the Bible. You've missed the boat. Okay? There's a place for works, and we can talk about that as we go through the book. There's certainly a place for, for works. Those who are justified by faith work. Right? But... Justification is by faith alone, right? And so this is a different gospel. The, the false teachers, what are, they, what are they not denying? They're probably, they're not denying uh, much. I mean, they're not denying the deity of Christ. They agree with that. These Judaizers believe in the deity of Christ. They're not denying the resurrection, his bodily resurrection. They're not denying that at all. They're not denying that Jesus was the Messiah. They believe all of these things that are central, right? They were not even denying the fact that, that one must have faith in Christ. They simply wanted to make room for some meritorious works of the law, faith plus circumcision. Faith plus observing of days. Right? Colossians, Paul deals with the same heresy in Colossians, the faith plus you know, the worship of angels. Faith plus. That is a common heresy. Right? And so that's, that's the nuance. Um, heretics are sophisticated. 
heretics know they can't just deny everything. I mean, um, some heretics are not sophisticated. I would say Joseph Smith was not sophisticated. You know, that's just a, that's a whole different thing. Okay. Um, but Arianism, somewhat sophisticated. They, 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 uh, you know, they, they wanted to figure out the deity and humanity of Christ, and they really grappled with it, you know? And the whole church was basically Arian until Athanasius came along. <laughs> you know, Arianism was winning. And so, you know, heretics just come in and say, you know, yeah, we agree with you on all of these things, but let's just add this, right? Semi-Pelagianism, faith plus, faith plus works. And so they had been taught about justification by faith alone from the Apostle Paul's mouth. They had received it. It was the gospel they embraced. But then along came the Judaizers who really just wanted to make the gospel more palatable for Jewish people. The Jews didn't want to lose the shadows of the law, the ceremonial aspects that they were so proud of, right? All of those shadows, they were so proud of those things. That's what made them a distinct nation. The Judaizers, right? We're like, we're Jews. Let's make everybody Jews. And yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Ooh, man. So you can see how people would get confused about that. It's like, I mean, I'm sure some Judaizer got up in front of the Galatian church and was like, let's bring Moses back in a little bit. You know, let's, We've got Jesus, and we know who he is, and he's the, he's the prophet, the, the prophet of prophets, the end of the prophets. But let's bring Moses back just a little bit, right? Paul has made too much of a competition between Jesus and Moses. And that seems wrong, because this is inspired scripture, right? And so you can see how that would sway those who are young in the faith. And um, the Jews, the Judaizers, just didn't want to lose the shadows of the law, the ceremonial, ceremonial aspects that they were so proud of. And so the worst enemies of the gospel are not those who mock it from the outside the church. They don't know anything they're talking about, right? The, the worst enemies of the gospel are those who distort it from within the church. Okay, who nuance it, who um, get, get their PhDs and talk above the people and confuse them with sophisticated words. And then, you know, that, that's one route, the PhD who's, who's sophisticated, but then there's also just the the um, the sort of heretic who makes the gospel relevant for modern sensibilities and struggles, right? You know, um, what's hated today? Repentance is hated today. So let's figure out a gospel that where you don't need repentance, 
you know, even though Jesus came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? And so repentance is hated, and so a movement like Revoice gets created and creates a gospel just like was created in the churches of Galatia, in which they can be Christians and not repent of sexual immorality, Okay? Christianity plus effeminacy is today's movement. It's not justification by works. It's Christianity plus effeminacy. You can be an effeminate and be a Christian, right? Even though Scripture says that the effeminate will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Pretty explicit. Okay, so... But that's, that's an example. I just wanted to come up with an example. We could go to other examples as well. But that, that one is quite clear that this is another gospel. This is a gospel in which they are adding something to justification by faith alone. And largely tends toward the antinomian direction. But it is Christianity plus my sexual identity. Christianity plus getting my flame on, Christianity plus effeminacy. It's a different gospel. All throughout this book, the Apostle Paul is very intense. And one of the things we have to understand about his intensity is that he is, his, his greatest heat is reserved for the heretics. Even though he's going after the sheep like begging with them not to go that direction. So it seems like he's, he's whacking the sheep, but he's warning the sheep. He's whacking the heretics, right? His, his strongest words are reserved for the heretics. And, his, and, and the heat comes out against the false teachers in this section we're looking at. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be anathema. He is to be accursed. He is to be condemned, right? He is to be devoted to destruction. That's how intense the Apostle Paul is against these guys. He's like, okay, wake up. This is not just, you know, um, us disagreeing about eschatology. This is the gospel that's at stake. Wake up different gospel, and those who are teaching it should be damned for teaching it, devoted to destruction. That's how intense he is. But notice how he says it, but even if we or an angel of heaven should preach a gospel contrary to what we have preached, let him be accursed. He includes himself in there. If I come back to you and I preach a different gospel, I should be accursed, and you shouldn't listen to me. You should listen to what has been preached, because that was the pure gospel. I mean, that's, that's pretty intense, right? He sweeps himself up in this. And then repeats it verbatim again, right? Says it twice, just to drive it home. So this is a different gospel. It's incompatible with what I preach to you, and those who teach it are anathema. Um, the, apostles, the apostles were not allowed to change the content of the gospel. 
They received the gospel from God from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were to hand that on. They, those apostles who have authority in the church, right, whose names are written on the walls of the New Jerusalem, could not change the, 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 the gospel content. They, they could not. And if they had, they were false apostles. And so, if they had done that, they should be anathema too. Anathema, it means to be delivered over to the wrath of God for destruction. Think of Jesus' words in Mark 9. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him if with a heavy millstone hung around his neck he had been cast into the sea. So this is not just the apostles that are this intense. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Who, who said that, um, you know, if you cause believers to stumble, better that a heavy millstone hung around his neck had been cast in the sea. That's even, that's, uh, that's anathema, right? That's death, that's destruction. Jesus says it himself. I want to read to you what Calvin says here uh, because I found it very encouraging. He says on this passage the following. He says, This then is why Paul accuses the Galatians of having been led astray. If we ask what they had done, the answer is that they sought to observe the ceremonies of the law as if they were necessary. Yes, it is true that these ceremonies had been ordained by God, of course, yet they were a temporary condition for the people of old, for at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, all this had to cease. Because the Galatians were mixing old figures and the shadows of the law with the pure light of the gospel, Paul, unable to bear it, says that they have rebelled and turned away from God. But there was something worse, namely that they were making the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ altogether void by believing that man can merit and acquire his own justification before God and make himself acceptable in God's service. When these deceivers introduced this particular error of keeping to the former shadows, it led the Galatians to believe that they were presenting God with meritorious service. Yet our salvation must be free, or Jesus Christ is no longer anything. We call it free salvation simply because it is given to us by God, and we come to him to be fed with nothing but a hungry desire for what we are lacking. We should approach God as miserable beggars if we would be justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For if we imagine that we have one drop of merit we will not be motivated to come to him. One of the learned ancients said, and not without reason, that we cannot receive the salvation offered to us in our Lord Jesus Christ unless we can first erase the memory of all our merits and acknowledge that we are only full of wretchedness. Paul, therefore, was completely justified in saying that the Galatians had fallen away from Jesus Christ and from God the Father. 
Now that is very helpful, right? And the point that he is making is if you make space for one little merit, what's the thing you trust in? That one little merit, right? That's the thing you keep working on. That's the thing you try to perfect. That one little thing that you have to do because, well, that's in your power to do it, right? And so Jesus gets put off to the side, right? Just pushed out of the picture. Because you're only focused on, okay, I got to tithe my mint, dill, and cumin. Got to get that down. I'm going to get it perfect this year. And then I'm good. It's ridiculous, right? But that, you know, um, that is so common. That is so common, is it not? Some little thing. I mean, legalistic uh, fundamentalists would fall into this category. If you don't do this, don't do that. You're doing well. God will be pleased with you. And yes, believe in Jesus. But these few works you must do. Roman Catholicism. It's their whole system, right? It's, it's grace. It's Jesus plus you know, a whole host of tiny works that are attainable. I mean, it's so easy to say a hundred Hail Marys. It's simple. It's attainable. You just do it, and then your conscience is at ease. Why? Because of the finished work of Jesus? That No, because you've just done a hundred Hail Marys. And you're, you're lying to yourself that you've, you've gained some merit. You have not. Not merit that will save. Not justifying merit. Not meritorious works that count towards your salvation. There is nothing you can do. Nothing that you can do. And that is hated by every one of us because we're proud little human beings. What do you mean there's nothing I can do my, to earn my salvation? I will do something to earn my salvation. And it's going to be this. Because I know I can do that. Trust me, examine your own hearts on this. Because that's, you know, I'm going to homeschool my kids. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to send my kids to Christian school. Right? I'm going to... I'm going to I'm going to read the Bible 6 times in a year. Whatever. I mean, it it can go from from big things that are important to absurd things that carry should carry you know no attraction to us. But we have to be very careful about this um that's why I'm I want to say that Christianity involves the annihilation of self. We just don't like that, right? Because we are proud. That's why that's why Calvin says we should approach God as miserable beggars if we would be justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For if we imagine that we have one drop of merit, we will not be motivated to come to him. And so, 
Examine yourself on this. You know, have you, are you in, I mean, this is recorded for us here in Galatians, right? And so it does apply to us, right? God knew that we'd be in Galatians today, and God knew that we'd be studying these these Judaizing Jesus plus things, and he wants us to examine ourselves on that basis. What is it that we trust in beyond the finished work of Jesus Christ to... uh, um, Appease our conscience before God. And I guarantee we do it because we, um, we are proud and we want to take some credit. We want the strength of our arm to actually produce something having to do with salvation. Something that's eternal. Right? And in regard to your justification, there is nothing you can do. Nothing. Give it up. There's nothing you can do. And that should make you happy, but it probably doesn't. Because you, like I, am proud and want to take some credit. Right? What about all those decisions I make all through the day? What about those, those things I do that you know God has, has commanded me to do? What about those things? What about the Ten Commandments that I kept this week? Why can't I get some meritorious credit for those things? Even the law that is still in effect, the moral law. We think, okay, by keeping those, I gain some merit and that makes me right with God. No. No. Never. That is not what makes you right with God. The law is cast out as a means of your salvation because Jesus has completed what was necessary for your salvation, and you receive it by faith alone, okay? That's the radical nature of the gospel that the apostle Paul preached. That's the radical nature of the gospel that was preached during the time of the Reformation when those things had been hidden by the church, right? That, that salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. And so rejoice in that, dear brothers and sisters. And that doesn't keep you from having a conscience and going after the works. But as far as your justification is concerned, don't get confused about this. Or you will be condemned by the book of Galatians and the preaching of the Apostle Paul. We will um, tend toward that. That's what I have this week. Any thoughts or questions, concerns? about what I've said. I do think that um, I do think the factor of us being proud and wanting to take some credit in our salvation is, is strong in all of us. And so we really do have to have to examine ourselves on that front. Where is it that I believe I gain my righteousness? What works am I scandalized by that other people aren't performing that I'm performing? That's the indicator, right? And, and then say, okay, well, what, why is that so, why do I cling to that so entirely? Is it because because God has commanded me or is it because I want to boast 
and I'm working up my salvation, and I'm working up my righteousness, and that becomes sort of a, a layer in the righteousness of Christ. Okay, so examine your works. Yeah. Yeah, just having a, a staunch assurance based upon the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so praise God for his sovereign free grace. Right? It is your salvation. Christ has merited your salvation, and it's applied to you by faith. It's a glorious thing, right? Your works are so insubstantial. And no matter how elevated and inflated you make them in your mind, they're so insubstantial in regard to your justification. And so praise God that uh, we, uh, we don't want to abandon this gospel that Paul preached, right? That the apostles preached. We do not want to abandon that because it is, uh, it is to place on Christ the whole ground of our salvation. His merit, his merit gains us heaven and not our own. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for Jesus and his work. Thank you that he was the unblemished lamb that was slain. Thank you that he fulfilled your law. Thank you that he has done all that is necessary and has such an, an accrual of merit that all of your people will be saved based upon that merit and that alone. Father, forgive us for thinking that we, we must build up or add to what uh, Christ has done. What, what elevated and foolish thinking that is. Father, we know that his merit is sufficient for our salvation. And Father, we pray that you would bless us now. Uh, fill our hearts with joy in our, in our Savior as we worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.